0: Today in the guest chair, we have a woman who is building a community of creatives all over the country. Melissa Kimball is a Chicago-based social media strategist and writer who believes in using social media for good through education and empowerment. She is the founder of Black Creatives, a lifestyle brand for the Black millennial creative professional who is determined to build their best life from the inside out. Melissa is also the Senior Media Manager for Ebony Magazine. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Fill in the rest. Tell us more about your background and your path to your current role as a digital ma- maven by day, Black Creatives Community Builder by night.
1: Hi, yes. Well, again, thank you so much for having me. such an, an honor, really, to be a part of the show. I listen to the podcast all the time. So I'm really excited about kind of getting to add my own story to the mix. Um So yeah, so you did a really great job with really introducing me. Um, I do have a background in communications, um, started off in journalism. And of course, um, you know, graduated in 2009 with the recession and the economy just all kind of all over the place. And so it actually took me um, a couple years to break into the industry in the professional sense, but I've always continued to, like, um, you know, write for online publications and still edit and manage online publications. And that's how I kind of got my start into social media um in 2010 i believe it was and it just kind of snowballed from there um every substantial opportunity that i've gotten within the past six, seven years has been because of the relationships that i've built on social media so that was one of the things that led me um, not just to my current job with ebony but to also with black creatives so um yeah that's just more about my background um yeah, oh, cool. that's it. <laughs> Very
0: interesting. Yeah, it's funny because when I first fell into social media as a career, it all started because of relationships I built on social as well, on Twitter, as a matter of fact. So it's yeah, it's interesting <laughs> that you have a similar story. So what's behind your strong love and passion for social media?
1: Yeah, I just love, um, you know, I've always been a writer at heart, um, even before social media You know, again, before the recession hit, I just knew that I was going to be like um, a magazine editor, a newspaper editor. So I've always had a really strong love for reading and writing, which is something that was instilled in me when I was like two, um, when I was a young, young, young child by my mom. And so I've always had a passion for telling stories. And when I stumbled across social media, especially Twitter, because it is, you know, basically word based. the ability to really use your words to kind of communicate, um, you know, what you're feeling or what you're thinking or what you want to express. And, you know, being able to use this medium as a way to tell stories, but just in a different approach, it just really kind of drew me um, to social. And then I, again, again with all the opportunities that I was able to get because of connections that I made, um, I really saw very early on that, you know, social media really levels the playing field in a lot of ways depending on how intentional you are about the use of it and so I think that's where my passion comes from especially in the black communities because you know A lot of people don't have computers at home, Um, even, you know, now in 2016. But everybody has access to a cell phone and then a cell phone or a smartphone that has apps, especially social media apps. There's just so many ways to kind of put yourself out there. And it really gives people who don't have as big of a voice or who are not seen as important by society. It really gives them the power to create their own platforms. I think that's where the passion comes from. I think that in a lot of ways, social media has really, revolutionized how we communicate um, and when we're able to communicate and who we're able to communicate to and to see, you know, these thoughts and ideas, you know, start on social and then grow into, you know, influencer campaigns or, you know, partnerships with brands and things like that. um, It's just amazing how, you know, we can really create our own story on social. And so that's what really drives my passion for it.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's so true. Social media gives a voice to the voiceless, as as I've heard you say. And and you definitely are doing that through the movement you're creating. Speaking mm-hmm. of the movement, how did this whole idea for Black creatives come about? Was this your side hustle while you were looking for jobs and working on, on different temp campaigns before you were full time?
1: Oh, definitely. Um, it's something that's just kind of grown with me professionally. Um, I've It's kind of started off you know, right again, right after I graduated from college and there was basically nothing um, available because the economy was shot. um, I really took that time, you know, post-college. I was working, um, and a lot of people, I don't even think know this, but I was working at FedEx uh, for a couple years, literally like throwing boxes, loading airplanes, things like that, and um, had a lot of time during the day. We weren't Able to like have pens or have our phones to like keep track of anything while we were out on the floor, and so I used to have all these ideas about you know what I wanted to write and what I, and what type of opportunities that I wanted to create for myself. Um, And I just knew a lot of people at the time who were doing like really great things. I knew a lot of people who were like writing books, again, people that I had met on the Internet. And, you know, I was kind of frustrated over the fact that like these regular people were doing extraordinary things you know in my opinion but there was no platform for them there was nowhere to kind of read their stories um and at that time especially being you know a college student who you know didn't have a job lined up was really coming out of just this fog of depression um, i really wanted to just focus on you know how i could create something that i could control and that i could have creative control over and so that's how it started Um, it kind of started off as just a platform for women But over the years, um, you know, the men that I would interview for the site just have really compelling stories and I didn't really want to leave them out of the conversation. And so I decided to make it about men and women. Um, And I think that's just one of the best decisions that I've made because it's really kind of opened up um, the dialogue and really made the conversation, you know, around the platform. It's really broadened that. And so that's pretty much, you know, how it started. I just wanted to, you know, it was just so important to me that even if, you know, during the daytime that I was, you know, throwing boxes and loading airplanes, that I still had something to do on the side that could feed me creatively um, because there just weren't many opportunities to do so um back then and over time it's just kind of grown with me. Um as I've grown as a professional, then it's really also kind of been able to serve as a portfolio piece for brands to say like, look, this is what I've created on my own, you know, with no no help, um just my ideas, just my strategy, no funding. Um so if I can do this with minimal resources, imagine what I can do with your company and a, you know, a bigger just a b- more things to play with so absolutely and and that's one of the reasons I
0: always encourage everyone to have a side hustle especially when I talk to younger people who are just starting out in their career and they're like you know what can I do to stand out and it's it's obviously side hustle like it might not pay you anything you might not earn anything from it but it shows that you want to have initiative because you you're going home and you're grinding on this when yeah it's not paying your bills, but you're building out something. So I absolutely agree with you on that. And speaking of building it out, what were some of the first steps you took to start taking Black creatives from this idea to an actual platform and brand?
1: Yeah, well, one of the first initial things that I did is that people that I had either worked with, you know, in the past or creative friends or people that were close to me, like before I launched, Website, I just sent an email to let people know, like, hey, this is what you know I'm doing now, this is what I'm up to. It launches on this date, Um, just to kind of put some feelers out there and get some response um, not just to to let people know about the site, um, but to just also see, you know, if there was anyone that I can kind of pull. Interviews from a pool, content from, or, you know, how we could kind of maybe possibly collab or build together. And that was, a, that was a really crucial step for me because it forced me to kind of take the idea out of my head, which a lot of us do, right? We have ideas sitting in our head all the time and then we never, you know, express them. Yep out of ourselves right and then then we get stuck so that was really crucial for me in the beginning because it kind of it it forced me to have a sense of accountability um early on because I'm like okay well now people know that it's coming and so now I kind of I can't back down from that right Right. um the next thing definitely was a website um kept it pretty simple and hosted a self-hosted website on um WordPress because I think back then like Square wasn't really in existence yet Um, what else was like Wix I mean it just that was just the easiest way I know there was like Typepad and things like that but um, WordPress was just kind of the easiest thing to set up at the time and you know luckily I had been been able to build websites in my communications program at school so I kind of already had an idea of how to do it so definitely letting people know um, up front and it was just a small amount it wasn't like a big massive let me tell a hundred people it may have been about 10 to 15 maybe 20 people at the most but just allowing the, you know allowing them to know what I'm working on and what's coming um, and I think the third thing was setting up the social media account so you know back then um, it was basically just Twitter um, and <laughs> And Facebook, which Twitter kind of turned out to be like the social media channel that kind of helped build the community um, over the long run. So that was definitely I think the top three things, just letting people know, um, making sure I had, you know, a working functional website that was easy for me to update at any at any time. And then also just setting up the social media channels, especially now. I think that's really important Um, if you do have an idea. And, you know, you're really interested in it to go ahead and reserve, you know, the Twitter handle, the Facebook page. Yes. Um, Even if you don't think you're going to do anything with it right away, um, because when I made the change over from my creative connection to black creatives. Thank God that the handle for Black Creators was still there. But if I had to reserve those handles right when I had came up with that hashtag, it would have been a different story. So I always advise people, when you do have an idea in the beginning, even if if the idea is not fully fleshed out, but it's something that you know that you want to run with in the long term, go ahead and reserve those names. Um, And it paid off in the long run. And then I just made... A a pretty basic um, kind of one page outline of what I wanted the site to be about, who I wanted to feature on the site or what types of things I wanted to feature um, on the site. And I just went from there and, you know, gave myself enough space to just really just develop over time. Um, And it's just it's worked out thank
0: God. Yeah. And great, great, you know, point about parking the social media accounts because, and that can also give you a sense of if your handles and all the variations you want are taken, like maybe it'll be an easier tweak to buy a different uh, domain name that can match the social handle. So just like being proactive about that in the beginning will help you to be uniform across platforms and, and people can find you better. Mm-hmm. Speaking of finding you now, you um, you say all this so casually, like, you know, you just built a small little thing, but <laughs> the word and the message and the mission is spreading. And to me, from the minute that I became clued into it, it seems like it's spreading rapidly. And all these people knew about this dope community of creatives before me. How did you initially find your target audience and start spreading, uh, just raising brand awareness?
1: Yeah, um, it definitely took years of trial and error to see what worked and what re- and what didn't work. Um, you know, like you said, we we've had a, a rapid amount of success, especially within this past year. But it really took um, behind the scenes. It took a lot of doing things and seeing how they performed, for me to kind of really see and see what people responded to for me to kind of figure out, OK, this is kind of the way we should stay in. We shouldn't do this. Um, just for example, you know, we kind of started off not doing anything celebrity based. And there was a period where um, I wanted to include more celebrity driven content into the fold. And it just the audience just did not respond to it. It didn't come up in analytics. Um, Nobody really engaged with it. And that was like a clear shine to me. So it'd be like, um, OK, um, this is not this is not working. So it definitely was something that developed over the years. Um, it wasn't something that just kind of came within a couple of months. And I think that's why it's so important to constantly just do the work and release it and keep doing the work and keep releasing it because it's only you know within that ebb and flow that you find like what works and what doesn't work and i i think i've had to go through several different I don't want to say identities, but approaches until I found out like until I've been able to find out what really works for me and for my life and what I want to do and what I want to put out there. Who, and also who I want to connect with, and who I want to serve, um, because there are a lot of really great platforms out there, um, you know, for creatives. Not so much specifically for creators of color, but there are really great platforms out there. And I think that a lot of times when you are building and trying to find your niche, it's very easy to to do what everyone else is doing. But after a while, you kind of have to just really sit down and say, okay, what is it that I want to do? Why did I start this? Um, Why did I create this? What am I trying? Who am I trying to serve? Who am I trying to speak to? Um, And just really paying attention to again, um, you know, how things work and don't work, what is the energy that you feel around certain things when you're doing it. And, you know, nine times out of 10, especially if you're feeling because there's a difference, I feel like, between being uncomfortable and then just playing discomfort. And I think like when you're uncomfortable, you know, you're stepping outside of your comfort zone, but you know that there's a specific purpose for you doing so with discomfort. Um, It's just kind of like that annoying feeling that won't go away or, you know, you don't see any growth from it. Um, And that's a clear sign that, okay I'm not, you know, in the space I need to be operating in. What is it that I need to either remove or do more of? Um, in order to really find like what works for me, and I think that's really important when just trying to find your niche and trying to find your target. Is so, that yeah, you can look at everyone else's success and you can try to copy it, but if it doesn't feel authentic to you, if it doesn't feel true to who you are and what you really want to do outside of the noise and outside of the hype, um, then you just have to you have to let it go. You can't be afraid to really self edit and yes. i, I do that um every, i do that every single day even now so that's super yeah. really important
0: it's so important to think through that because yeah you know you look at people who are successful and you think you have similar target audiences and and a similar message it can be really hard to not start to take on some of that so you have to really make a conscious and um really direct effort to just stay in your own lane and do what feels comfortable and natural to you. If it doesn't feel natural, Mm -hmm. if it feels like (laughs) you're doing extra effort just to do it, you're so right. You just have to pull back from it. Um, Mm -hmm. And you, you were working to cut through that noise. Like what are some of the best practices that kind of helps you cut through the noise of social media to create a distinctive and impactful brand?
1: Yeah. And I, and I have to be very, very, very careful about how I approach this because I do work (laughs) in social media Um, and so especially within like the past year it's been almost kind of a challenge because you know being plugged in all the time with my day job and that's just the nature um you know of the industry that you know i work in where you have to be plugged in you have to be connected and the same thing with black creators because it is a you know um for now it's an online community and we do a lot of things online um i just have to really be careful about it so one thing i try to do um as much as possible and whenever i can is to really take a break um i actually did that this past weekend Where if I didn't have to be at my computer or on social media for work, um, I just I pause like I if I, you know, didn't have to be if I didn't have to do anything, I would take the time out to, you know, either pray or take a nap or talk to someone that I love or you know, go outside and just try to remember that there's a whole entire world outside of what's going on, you know, in our phones, because sometimes we can get caught up in that. Um, and I do a lot of self-reflection, too. Um, and, and I keep a, a very specific support circle around me that can kind of let me know, like, OK, Melissa, like you've been looking a little down today or your energy feels a little low like is everything okay you know just having those people in place to kind of check me
0: mm-hmm.
1: um when i'm not you know being true to who i just true to who i am or just you know it feel like i'm in a, a good space um and again i just go back to you know what it is that i want to do what do, what is it that i feel like i'm called to do because i you know i hope that most people who do have side hustles, most, if not all people are able to do something that's connected to what they feel like their purpose is. And a lot of times our purpose is not connected to following what everyone else is doing on social media. And so when I find myself getting into the trap of like comparing, you know, my journey to someone else's, I quickly shut that down. Like I try to make as much time as possible um, for self-care. I'm a big believer in breaks and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, and I understand, like, you know, in this life, um, there will be times where you'll have to sacrifice some sleep or have to, you know, or have to sacrifice, I don't know, just your time or whatever. Like, I I really understand that. But we get so caught up in work, 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 work all the time that we're actually forgetting to live. And so that's, Something that's been like a big reminder for me, especially lately with so much going on. It's like, okay, like, yes, you have work, but also don't get to live your life because that's where the inspiration comes from to do the actual work and really just remind myself to, you know, set my own race and set my own pace and not feel like I have to compete with anybody or have to do things a certain way to be successful. And so, learning how to take that pressure, take that stress off of myself has been extremely, extremely vital um, for making sure that I'm I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing as opposed to doing what I think I should be doing.
0: Amen. <laughs> the boundaries are so important. And it's so funny. Important. It's funny you said, um, you know, most of the time you're purpose is not tied to looking at anyone what anyone's doing on social media i would venture to say your purpose is never ever tied to that <laughs>
1: and we just get sucked into that <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's such it's like a black hole yeah. like you know, and i and i'm constantly trying to like check myself for that because i'm like oh i'm just gonna get on you know Instagram for five minutes and I'll scroll and look up it'll be 15 you're like wait wait a minute 15 right and and it's something that it's hard to manage
0: too when you work in it right like I get on social to get inspiration for new content and then I find myself scrolling through like baller alert and I'm like wait a second wait a second (laughs) (laughs) what happened what happened here um but you so black creatives is mainly an online platform for now but you guys you did have a live event right how did that go and and you know what was the um intention behind it and what impact has it have had on your business
1: um yeah so last year we actually were towards the end of the year we were able to do two live events one in atlanta um and one in new york city and why I thought to have our first two events outside of where I lived, I'm not really sure. I just think I was really wanting to be adventurous and get away. <laughs> um, but luckily, I had lived in Atlanta before, so it was kind of natural. But really, the, just the intention of those events was, for one, to really push myself outside of, you know, my comfort zone. Because, again, when you're building something online, it's so easy to kind of stay online, and then, but you miss out on all the benefits of just having, like, some sort of physical interaction. But another thing, too, was that people just kept asking, like, why don't we have a Black Creators Conference? And I'm like, well, you know, that sounds all good and great, but we just can't pop out and have a conference out of the blue. I mean, not, you know, maybe some people are wired like that, but I'm just not able to just do that. I like to do things kind of, again, in my own pace. So I'm like, well, why don't we, you know, just, you know, the black creative chat at this point have been really, really starting to take off. Um, and so I just thought that, OK, well, let's just kind of test it out to see if the energy that we're creating online every month, if it's possible for that to translate um, offline, you know, in a way that's kind of scalable for me where I can kind of really take in what's going on. Um, but that also like really allows, you know, the audience and the army is what I like to call black creatives, um, gives them a chance to engage offline because that's one thing that our audience has been really been working for. I mean, we're looking forward to, um, and they went really well. Atlanta went really well. New York, um, we sold out much faster than I expected, um, to do so, and um, I was, I was, well, yeah, I could say I was definitely surprised by the um, response in a good way. Um, but it was really just amazing to get to be able to meet people, you know, in person. You know, a lot of the people that I had been following like for years, especially in New York, um, and getting a chance to really meet them in person and talk with them and build with them, and you know, even have you know the attendees. You know, say like, oh God, I'm so glad I came because I got a, you know, I got a job leave from this person or I got, you know, a a possible, like, partner and someone else or just things like that. So to see, you know, the Army in person and to still have that same spirit of community and sharing and, you know, here's this tool, here's this strategy, here's what I've done, here's what's worked, um, was really refreshing. Um, And it was really, they both were amazing experiences. So I'm really looking forward to doing it again towards the end of this year. Oh, great. Have you
0: started to earn income from black creatives especially with the events and if so how and when did you start to reap profit and rewards from the business
1: yeah so we're we're in a very unique space right now um i was able to make some profit from the event um, but it's um, not something that's been consistent. And so lately, my focus has been to build a team around Black creatives so that we are able to consistently turn a profit. And so I've been taking a couple of different um, workshops and things like that and speaking with different with a few of my different peers to to get more insight and research on how to build a business, because I think that's important, too. You know, a lot of times, um, even though we have examples of what's already been done, it's completely different when you get ready to do it on your own. Mm -hmm. And so I've been very mindful of, you know, talking to my peers who have been successful in building Um, a sustainable business out of their blog. like, how can I move forward? And so I've recently just brought on an operations manager. And right now we're getting everything in order to make sure that we're making a profit on a consistent basis, because that's definitely the difference between, um, you know, having a hobby and then having like a legitimate side business. And so we're opening up, um, you know, a Black Creatives shop within the coming weeks as well and really introducing new programs and new experiences into the fold to kind of test out to see um, what works for the audience, what doesn't, and and how we can interact and engage not only with the audience, but also with different brands because there are a lot of brands um, and corporations out there who need our help (laughs) and need our insight. (laughs) And so that's definitely um, what I'm looking to next as far as um, building a profit around Black Creatives.
0: So you're kind of investing what you have earned back into the business to build out the team. Definitely. All
1: right. <laughs> Definitely. That's exactly where I am right now. And I, I think it's important to know, too, that in this phase, um, I've had to learn how to be okay, mm-hmm. was not immediately turning a profit if I know that because I know that what I'm investing is for the long term. And it's not just something that I'm just doing for right now. Like I'm legitimately taking my time, finding the right people to build up a structure that can withstand. So when one year, two years, five years from now, we're still growing and we're not stagnant. Got it.
0: And I'm sure people listening will wonder, okay, well, first of all, how do you build a team? How do you find the right people? And then two, how do you pay them if things are not always consistent as far as earning a profit.
1: Yeah. Um, so as far as like finding a team, what, again, what I've had to do is, you know, a lot of times when we are building, you know, the, the things that we love, or building, you know, around our side hustles or our passions, we never ask for help. Like we try to do everything by ourselves. And that was one thing that I was doing towards the end of last year, early this year, and was wondering, like, why am I failing? Like, what is going on? So I think the key thing when building a team is to really be honest and transparent about, like, look, I can't do X, Y, and Z. I need help. Um, and turn to your circle and see who they know. Or if you know someone who has, um, a position similar to, you know, what you're looking for, ask them, you know, what you should be looking for or what type of qualities you should be finding, um, trying to find in team members. Um, I did that with my current operations manager because I had known her. She had worked with someone that I had already known and just really respected their business acumen. And it was asking her one day, like, Hey, what do I look for an operations manager? And she goes, Hey, uh, did you know, I'm looking, I'm taking on more clients and I had no idea. So if I had never put myself out there to ask those questions about what I should be looking for, um, it would have never happened. And so I think you have to be really, really honest with yourself about what you don't know so that you can start to ask the questions that'll get you the answers you need. And so nine times out of 10, who you already know, someone that you already know in your circle has some sort of, you know, key or a connect that can kind of lead you to Um, building that team so if you're looking to build a team put it put it out there like put it out there if you need to Um, because a lot of times we don't do that we just kind of expect to kind of stumble upon people um, or teammates you know on our own and a lot of times that's not the case Um, and then also who's already a part of maybe your audience that really wants to help like pay attention to those people Um, And really, you know, give yourself time to have a really open and transparent interview process um, with these people that you're looking to build, to bring on, because essentially you want this to be the foundation of, of, you know, what you want to grow. And so I think a lot of times we tend to rush through that. Mm -hmm. And so I was committed, like, okay, I was looking for operations manager earlier in the year and I was able to find someone Um, I want to say beginning of August or end of July, beginning of August. Um, And I really had to learn how to be patient because the people that I was coming across and the people that I thought would be a good fit for what I wanted, um, they weren't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And so I had to allow myself to, you know, be okay with that. And then I think, too, one important thing also is just to really be specific about what it is you want and what it is you need. If you know you don't have time to do, you know, maybe like social media management, but you know exactly what you're looking for or who you're looking for, don't be afraid to, you know, keep that standard. Even if you can't find someone, you know, I would rather, you know, wait a couple months to have to find the right person and to hire somebody than a couple months later, I'm trying to undo the damage that, um, either they've done or just a situation, you know, has manifested because I wasn't willing to wait. Right, right. And so you have an
0: operations manager now and and you're adding new members. What has changed in your business as far as how you structure it and how you think about it now that you have some of these new team members?
1: Oh, my God. Um, It definitely forces you to be more accountable because now it's just not it's just not me anymore that, you know, me building a business depends on now, you know, I'm working with someone and part of her livelihood also comes from what I produce or what I don't produce. It's also really forced me to be intentional and really own what it is that I have. Cause I think just because, you know, you know, we do, we have to do something on the side. We kind of don't give it as much respect as we do our full time hustle, but this has really forced me To put, you know, what I'm hold, what I'm doing with black creatives in the same regard as I would, you know, Ebony or, you know, whoever else I was working for um, before then. Like, it's really forced me to take myself seriously and and get out of that mindset of just because I'm not operating on a scale where I have 100 employees or, you know, we have 100 K followers on Twitter. that I can't operate at my best or operate, operate at my highest. And then it's also forced me to be really open and honest to really communicate with people. Um, when things don't go as planned, you know, because I do have a full-time job in an industry that's super, super demanding, you know, sometimes I can't have a webinar when I've planned to, to have it because, you know, some, either some breaking news has dropped or an exclusive has dropped or things have gotten, have to have got had to be, like, shuffled around for work. Um, it's really forced me to, like, when things happen, just to be honest about it and say, like, hey, you know, I tried to do X, Y, and Z this week. Going to have to push that back. Some stuff is coming up at work. Um, and people just – and it, it also forces me to have people around me who are really understanding about that and can kind of be flexible and work with me. And I think that's an important thing, too, when you're building a team, especially if someone – who you know has a side hustle and also has a full-time job that you have to have people who around you who will allow you to be flexible and allow you to make mistakes and not kind of like be ready to burn the cross um anytime you know something goes wrong or something goes um something goes left so speaking of your
0: team and and what you're building, you mentioned that brands need you and they do. They, you need to partner with some of these larger entities and get them all the way together. But how are you approaching that process um, and making sure that you're making smart deals when the time is right?
1: Yeah. So definitely um, always keeping what the, what the army needs up front, like always keeping what my audience needs as a top, of mine, and if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. And so, luckily, I've been able to work at some different agencies where I've seen like how sponsorship decks work, um, and stats and statistics or whatever, like on social or just your Google Analytics and things like that, that you can include in the deck to kind of give them, you know, that data side. But then also, just being again, going back to honesty, going back to communication, like letting them know, like, hey, like, this is an audience that is still sorely underrepresented, um, in our culture. A lot of times when we do hear like the word creatives and mainstream, it's not talking about black people, um, or black millennials, frankly, for that matter. And so just being honest with, you know, Hey, this is a group that's, you know, either underrepresented or misrepresented. Um, and is really a, an army of cultural, like creators, innovators, crafters, and things like that, curators – Um, that you need and so when I'm seeking out companies you know for sponsorships and for partnerships I'm really looking at you know the company's track record because just because you know I'm seeking sponsorship from you doesn't mean that I'm not interviewing you just as much as you would want to interview me and I'm not doing my research just as much as you're probably doing your research about you know us and, and black creatives so I really take the time to see you know what are they doing you know for communities especially when it comes to quote-unquote diversity you know what are they doing you know for minorities um, in their communities what type of initiatives are they a part of who are they supporting um what have they done that would be a great fit you know for my audience just things like that just again being very very specific and not necessarily chasing after the top dollar but chasing after what makes sense for the brand and for the audience because at the end of the day the audience comes first and my audience is, you know, wouldn't want, I don't know, like, well, they probably would want a set of lawn chairs because of stuff like Afropunk. Um, but, you know, it just I would just make sure that the deal makes sense and really has, you know, the audience. Up front and yeah. that we're very clear, you know, on the back end of what our values about are about and what we stand for and not backing down from that and not curving or bending um, every time a brand says they want to do something if it doesn't work.
0: Yeah. So what steps are you taking to continue to build brand awareness now that, you know, black Creatives has gotten a pretty substantial following, but it can always you you can always grow. Um, so what are you thinking next?
1: Yeah. So next we're definitely going to do continue doing um, the Twitter chats with a little with a little bit of twist to just further um, distinguish ourselves from what everybody else is doing. And that's not, you know, any type of slight or shade It's just that, you know, I'm just a big believer in what what you have is already working. You should already be wanting to constantly improve that to make it better and better um, as an experience for your audience. So definitely improving the Twitter chats is one thing, but also continuing um, doing more live events, um, especially coming like coming up within this fall. We're going to try to do a couple of different cities um, and then also creating different experiences and. Ways for the audience to really access opportunities, but then also from like a back end perspective, really, um, you know, it's been, you know, Black Curious has really been like a platform for creatives of color, especially like creative, you know, professionals or whatever. But now I think it's really time to start to raise the bar and get specific on what type of creative and Mm -hmm. what type of mindset is welcome, you know, within this community. Our tagline is really do the inner work, which means there's a a really heavy focus on personal development and self-development. And so there's a different type of mindset um, around that, then it would be kind of your average person. Um, I feel like, and so, you know, people who are positive, but who are really focused on actually doing the work, um, and really, you know, just creating a culture and turning it and letting the, um, I'm sorry, letting the brand grow into more of a lifestyle as opposed to just a platform, because I think a platform really kind of boxes us in a little bit. Um, You know, I had a friend, um, Michael Jones from the Stylish Standout. You know, we were having a conversation about this and he was saying, OK, well, platforms, they change like if Twitter can be gone tomorrow. Facebook can be gone tomorrow. Snapchat can be gone tomorrow. Instagram can be gone tomorrow. What happens when those leave? So you don't want to necessarily look at yourself as a platform. And so that really kind of spearheaded the idea of, of moving it into a lifestyle and a lifestyle brand and it really representing something that's bigger than just one person so really um reinforcing that with like just like a mini you know rebrand and really being intentional about every step that we make every partnership that we make um you know everything that i appear on as a representative you know of the brand um really really being mindful and specific of opportunities that we take on or things that we can be a part of. And even something that's uh, when it comes down to something like as the the Twitter chats, um, we get a lot of inquiries about like, how can you be a guest and how can you do this? And honestly, there's never been um, a specific process in mind for the Twitter chat guest. It just has to make sense for the audience. Um, and it just has to make sense for the brand and i think that's one of the things that i'll continue to do. i think it it really helps me to cut down on the noise and kind of hone in and really be more intentional with every step i take. so i think that'll be the key for this next level of of growth is that for me to not continuously focus on if i'm making the right moves, but the moves that i'm making, am i being intentional with them? got it.
0: and now before before we get into the lightning round I do mm-hmm. want to touch on shift gears for a second and touch on side hustling specifically, because, you know, in your day to day, you mentioned that you are plugged in completely for your current employer. When you first took on that role, how did you bring up the topic of black creatives with your current employer? And did you feel like it was relevant to
1: let them know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I definitely felt like, it was relevant because, you know, luckily, Black Creatives and Ebony both centered around Black culture. Um, and so it was definitely important. But the, the thing that I'm, I was really fortunate was that um, I've always put Black Creatives on my resume. And so it's always acted as like a portfolio piece. So when I, you know, put my portfolio together and I show it to, and I was showing it to prospective employers, I've always included um, black creatives in there. So it's on my, it was on my resume. Okay. Um, it was on inside of my portfolio piece. And when I had interviews, I would usually, if someone asked me a question about experience or history or why I feel like I'm qualified from for a certain position I would always take you know what I've learned and what I've built through black creatives and Mm -hmm. apply that to whatever job it was that I was um you know interviewing for so it always been it always been a common practice and so when I um started with my current employer they had already known Mm -hmm. about black creatives they're already fully aware of, you know, what I was doing on the side and how that contributed contributed to like the skills that I could use for the position. And so thank God it just worked out. So if, if that could be one key piece of advice is that if you really take your side hustle seriously, and if you really feel like it's um, contributing to your skills as a, pro- as a professional, which I would hope it, it would um, in some way, to include that on your resume, like treat treat it as if it's, a substantial opportunity because it is because you created it yourself. Nobody gave it to you. And that's a, a very, very, very desired quality these days, um, with any employer, with any opportunity, you know, can they do the work? Are they capable of doing the work without anyone, you know, looking over their shoulder? And if you have a side hustle, why not include that? Because that shows, and especially if it's consistent, you know, that shows that you are very much more so capable to, um, to do these skills and these things, even if you're not getting paid, so right. if, you, if you do like you know imagine what you know you could do, so right mm-hmm. and so now that
0: you're 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 fully plugged in there, you're also scaling your brand, how do you balance it all and while well, making your employer feel secured like you know you're not gonna jump ship to be an entrepreneur,
1: yeah, um, I definitely will for one um. And I had to learn. It took it maybe took about three or so jobs, honestly, to to uh, kind of get this practice down. But I really had to learn to stop working on black creative stuff while I was at work. Now, the, the couple of jobs that I've had beforehand, um, before this one, actually were like contractor positions. So there was the limits were as strict. And then I would have downtime some most days. Um, within those like past positions and so I was kind of able to do both but when I started to to get more full-time positions in the field I had to really learn how to not bring black creative stuff to work to leave it outside of work and to really let my time at work be just that my time at work Um, not even just for the benefit of my employer, but just for myself, because if you're constantly trying to work on work stuff at work, and then you're trying to do your side hustle stuff, by the time you get to five o'clock, you're, you are fried. Like you are tired. You have worn yourself out. You have stretched yourself thin, um, to where when you get off work, you can't do anything. So that's a really big rule of thumb. Um, like I know, you know, it's it's so tempting because, you know, there's a computer there and there's a printer there and you're like, I could just print off, you know, a couple of these notes and it's <laughs> like no, you have, you have to set um, you know, you have to set some boundaries and right. even if, you know, you just can't fight that urge during yeah. the day, which a lot of times I mean I can't, I'll use my lunch break or if my lunch break is an hour, um, you know, sometimes most of the time I don't really get opportunity to take one hour, full hour at a time. So I maybe try to break it up and do thirty minutes here and thirty minutes there, and just kind of use that time to um, to kind of just brain up or work on a specific task. Um, but definitely learning how to utilize my planner and block out time um, to get things done has made. A huge difference. Um, I'm not the most organized person, which is why I hired an operations manager. <laughs> but myself that time and that space to really sit down and think about, OK, Melissa, what do you want to do this week? Yeah. What do you want to get done? Where can you get that done? And so learning how to like training myself now to work in time blocks and, you know, make force myself to be focused focused in on just one specific thing for like an hour makes a huge difference because I think um you know a lot of times I know for me when I've tried to multitask it just it never goes well nothing yeah. never nothing gets finished right and or nothing like
0: yeah when you talked about trying to multitask at work with side hustle and main hustle it's like you really at the end of the day you're burnt out and also <laughs> you didn't really accomplish much like you just can't do it all. <laughs>
1: For anyone, you didn't yeah. get anything accomplished for anyone, especially not yourself. Um, so that's, that's been a big thing. That's been a, And honestly, that's been a really hard lesson mm-hmm. for learn. Um, but I mean, once I got tired of being tired, that's when I was like, okay, you got to have some boundaries. And so, you know, even so with doing that, like you have to, to realize that you're not going to get everything done in one day. Um, you have to slow down. You have to allow the process to serve its purpose, and it can only do that if you're taking your time. If you are rushing, trying to get, oh, it's Monday, let me get all of my blog content done for the entire month of September. Like, that's impossible. Impossible. Um, Really, I really had to learn how to stop putting so much pressure on myself and stop acting from... Because essentially, it's a it's a place of fear, right? Yeah. You're trying to rush and get this done and mm-hmm. rush and get this done. And like, oh, let me get this. I need to get this out. Um, thinking that you have to do things on a specific timetable when really the beauty of having a full time and having a side hustle is that you get to plan how you want to do things and how you want to get things done. And you have that choice.
0: Yep. And, and I, I feel to... like...
1: Um, I think what was kind of blocking me from really operating at my highest before was thinking that things had to be a certain way in order for me to get things done. And once I took that pressure off of myself and decided like, okay, this is how I want to do things. This is when things will get done. I'm not operating off of anyone else's timetable. Yeah. Or you know what I think I should be doing right now. Going back to that, um, it's made a huge difference because we put we put so much pressure so on ourselves. So much. I actually saw just saw a quote
0: today about that. It says anxiety happens when you think you need to get everything done at once, and it's so true. You don't. You you just tell yourself that. And for me, um, for example, this weekend, you know, I took. Saturday for a much needed just staycation, just enjoying life. And then today, of course, I wake up with like the like anxiety of, oh, my God, I need to get all this done before the week starts. And, you know, I got to be focused at work. So this is my only day to get it done. <laughs> and I just had to pull back and realize, OK, what's my highest level concern today? What's my highest priority? And I just need to focus on that one thing.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you and that's the thing like you get to sit what that priority is like that's That's your choice to do that. And you can't. And eventually, like over time, you'll just learn like you can't waver from that. You can't falter from that because every time that you you do that, you're giving up your power to the task instead of putting it into yourself. And we need all the energy, all the vibes, all the strength, all the, you know, whatever, higher power um, energy To get these things done and if we're constantly putting all this pressure on ourselves to go, 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 go and never take the time to just be like we're just we're just killing ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I I think especially one of the things that I've learned, too, from just listening to your podcast is that side hustles are, are really supposed to be. Things that kind of allow us to create not only our own opportunities, but just our own lifestyle. Yes. And no one wants to have a lifestyle where they are miserable all the time or working all the time or beating themselves up about what they didn't do all the time. Like, that's not that's not living. And I feel like that's the complete opposite of creating a side hustle. Like, you should just go get a, another second full time job. Right. That's
0: <laughs> that's so interesting that you draw out that from listening and um well one thank you again for listening and two you're absolutely right like i'm we're not at least my intention is not to side hustle to create more stress for myself like less yes you have to do hard work still yes you have to hold yourself accountable and work hard very hard um but you get to decide the pace at which you do that in your schedule so the the hope is that you're not stressing your life out
1: (laughs) right and I think too a lot of what um you know we're working with black creatives to target too is that like yes you know the hard work is is guaranteed but the suffering part of it and the struggle part of it is definitely optional you don't have to suffer through anything you don't have to struggle through anything if it's that hard if it's taking that much of a toll you know on you in whatever way then it's just not for you you know so I definitely need to
0: rethink what you're doing or how long you've been doing it with this same kind of result and feeling too you know sometimes we got to let stuff go Mm -hmm. exactly all right and with that I think that's the perfect segue into the lightning round um so here you're going to answer the first thing that comes to mind you ready
1: yes okay I just need to get Popeye's out of (laughs) my (laughs) <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready.
0: Um, Number one, what's an online resource that has helped you and your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience?
1: Yeah, um, I'm a really big fan of the Everyday Girl. It's a professional site for women um, that's based here, the Every Girl, sorry, that's based here in Chicago. Um, just reading kind of even over the years, just reading their insight on like careers and things like that um has been really helpful, and that I'm also a really big avid reader of fast company. And even just reading that magazine every month, I feel like my business acumen goes up a little bit each time. So
0: oh, cool. Um, number mm-hmm. two, what's a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business?
1: I'm praying before I do anything. Even if it's something small, just, um, you know, I feel like no matter what you believe in, just having that, you know, no matter what you believe in or what, you know, faith background that you have, just having like that structure and that faith in something bigger than yourself, um, again, really helps you take the pressure off of what you're doing and puts things into perspective. So yeah, definitely praying before I do anything has definitely made a difference. Number three,
0: what's the best book or podcast episode that you've consumed this year?
1: Mm. First book, first book. Um, I would have to say, I, cause I think the book kind of popped into my head first, even though I listen to a ton of podcasts, but um this year I finally got a chance to read Succeed- Succeeding Against the Oz. Um, it's the autobiography of John A. Johnson. And for those who don't know, John A. Johnson was the founder, um, you know, of Ebony and Jet Magazine and Fashion Fair Cosmetics and his book. I'm not sure why it's not required reading, um, but it, it definitely is. And I'm not just saying that because I work at Ebony, mm-hmm. but because this was one of the most inspiring autobiographies that I've ever read. Um, wow. I think because it had a lot to do with media and with journalism. And because, you know, that's where my career is. Um, and and having, of course, been a fan of Ebony since forever, um, seeing his journey and seeing him, you know, come from Arkansas City, Arkansas. When he was a, a teenager, to come to Chicago and being dirt poor and just rising above that and really, literally working his way out of poverty, um, it's just one of the best like stories ever. And I and I think too because it's coming from. You know, again, a black pioneer in the media space, and we don't really oftentimes get to read or see those stories as much as we like. Mm -hmm. So it was too was really refreshing to kind of get a story that I could actually relate to, because you know my grandparents migrated from the South in the you know the twenties and then the thirties, and just really gives you a lot to relate to, especially if you're you know a young person of color who, you know, we're stressed out now with all the tools and technology that we have at our disposal, and he only had $500, and look what he built.
0: (laughs) Wow. I'm definitely, I will link to that in the show notes for this episode.
1: Awesome.
0: Number four, who do you admire and why?
1: I admire my mom. Um... I mean, not only because of the sacrifices that she made as a single mother, but because I've really, over time, watched her grow into a woman who went from constantly pleasing other people to learning how to put herself first and make herself and her happiness a priority and watch how that kind of changed the entire trajectory of my life. Like She was was never afraid to like leave Chicago and and go after what made her happy Um, and I just really I just really admire that about her she's always been self-sufficient always been independent and again just to see her be really more intentional about her happiness has been really inspiring to me
0: oh that's great number five What's your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who are, you know, still in the the juggle with the full time job but also have a growing side hustle?
1: Mm-hmm. Done is better than perfect. Um and that's that's something that um my friend Sakita Holly says a lot but it's so true because we hold ourselves to these standards. I don't know where these standards come from that everything has to look a certain way or be a certain way for us to put it out into the world and just hanging on to that that sense of perfectionism is really holding on to like a fear that we're not good enough to do to do the things that we want to do. And so just to really just let go of that perfection and just do it. And like literally be intentional every day about doing the work, whether you see a, or an instant like reward from it or not. So just do the work. Just do the work. Like that. at the end of the day, that's what matters. And that's what's going to carry things, not what you think of doing and not what you plan on doing and not what you discuss doing, but what you actually do. And um, just to be mindful of that and be mindful of your actions and, and put the work first, like take your ego and emotion and all that kind of stuff. Take it out of the, you know, take all that stuff out of the equation and just mm-hmm. really just focus on doing the work um, because that's really the bridge between yeah. where you are now, and what it is you really want to do.
0: Amazing. I love that answer. And that I listened to Sakita's uh, podcast as well. I, I remember um, that episode that she titled Done is Better Than Perfect was, I think that was like the last thing that just made me say, you know what, I'm going to do this. Like she mm-hmm. talked about like, listen, I'm recording this with my earbuds and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm making it work. And I was like, you are right, Sakita, I'm, I'm going to make it work.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, I love her podcast. I love her so podcast.
0: Much. And I try to keep that in mind all the time when I'm, I'm procrastinating because I want stuff to be perfect. And I just need to do the work, like you said. So before we close, tell us what you're currently working on and what's next for Melissa and Black Creatives.
1: Yeah. So for right now, um, again, as I mentioned earlier, just continue to Slowly, like one person at a time, really build up the business um, around black creatives, luckily because I you know, am blessed to have a full time job that I can kind of really take my time in that department and not rush. So that's one thing that I'm really looking forward to. I'm definitely doing more events um, and more in-person, offline events, as opposed to doing so much online. I really want to spread the movement around to different cities. And so, you know, we are looking for sponsors. So if you're listening to this podcast and (laughs) you have an employee who you think would be a great, you know, if you work for an employer who you think would be a really great fit, um, send them my way. Um, so definitely just working on that and really building up relationships with these different brands and corporations that want access to the black creative, you know, millennial professional, but don't have a way to get in. Um, I just really want to position the brand as the brand um, for this demographic and where they need to come to. So that they need to know about, you know, which podcast should we attach ourselves to or how can we get. You know, a more diverse, you know, pool of candidates for positions that we're looking for, like things like that, just really strengthening and building relationships with corporations and with brands because, I mean, they they need us. Um, but we need them just as much, not from just a monetary, you know, or financial sense, but because in order to grow, you know, as creatives, we need opportunities, we need experiences. Right. So just really looking forward to creating like a win-win um, situation for not, you know, just the brand and not just for the audience, but also for corporations and bigger brands that want to kind of join in. Got it. And then what's the best way for listeners to connect with you after this episode? Yeah, so definitely I'm always on Twitter Um, It's at Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A underscore Kimble, K-I-M-B-L-E. That's my Twitter handle. Um, That's actually my social media handle across um, Twitter and Instagram. Also with Black Creatives, BLK Creatives is actually, you know, very active on Twitter. That's like our top um, platform. So you can reach us there. Um, There's also the email address in the Twitter bio. So if you want to reach out about a potential, you know, partnership or just want to drop a line and say, hey, um, you know, you can always find us on social media. And then, of course, the website and there is a newsletter to sign up for as well. Um, and those are all just different ways to kind of, you know, reach out and just say, hi, we're very friendly. Um, I promise <laughs> we don't bite. And nine times out of ten, you can normally find me. I'm usually on Twitter yeah. at some point throughout Have the you day. Have so to that's... partner with Twitter?
0: Um, that I just jumped out at me, you know, with something we didn't touch on. But um, mm-hmm. Black Creatives, it makes me think of their um, Blackbirds Affinity Group. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something that I would love, love, love to do, and it's it's actually one of our goals um, for the next six months is to see how we can partner with um, Twitter and with Blackbirds. Like I think what they're doing has been amazing, and I think that once they kind of get privy to what it is we're doing mm-hmm. at Black Creatives. I think it just makes a lot of sense because, you know, I definitely, undoubtedly, like we've been able to grow a lot because of Twitter um, has been very huge and very instrumental in our growth within this past year. And so I would definitely love to be able to collaborate with them. And it's one of our goals. Yeah, I think it would make so much sense. Yeah, it it, def- it definitely would. It would make a lot of sense.
0: All righty. Well, I wish you good luck with that. I'll, you know, keep me posted. I think it'll be an awesome connection and partnership. And with that, I just want to thank you so much for joining us in the guest chair today, Melissa. It's been awesome talking with you. Uh, we could obviously talk for way longer, <laughs> but thanks for joining us for this hour.
1: No, thank you so much for having me. Such an honor, so much fun. Um, and again, love what you're doing. I'm really excited to see how you continue to grow and evolve as well. Thank you. And there you have it.
0: Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. And if you want to hear more from me, you can find me online at sidehustlepro.co and on social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Side Hustle Pro. Talk to you next week.